From the bowling alley in Daniel Plainview's mansion, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two men who were fired by Ryan Bingham, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. You know, that uh, just got me thinking, not because of anything that the... uh that repeat intro has to do with anything, but did you, have you seen the um, the Pat Oswalt bit from uh, Parks and Recreation? Have you yes, seen that? Yes, I have. Is that not the funniest thing you've ever seen? Like, was, now I'm going to watch the episode. It's it was, just a raw take. It was funny for like four minutes, and I'm like, okay, I mean, does it build? Does it get better? Oh yeah, it's just like the same thing for eight minutes. Well, it's kind of the same thing for eight minutes, but it's a raw take. I mean, in you know, in the right. in the show, you're going to be getting reaction shots of Amy Poehler and so forth and so on. So, I mean, it'll it'll, it'll in the audience, you know, they'll they'll kind of create more of a build with the, with the editing, but honestly, as just kind of a semi-ad-libbed spiel, that's pretty great stuff. The uh, did you go on entertainmentweekly.com because Entertainment Weekly created a one sheet Oh, did they? For an imaginary movie featuring all the characters that he brought up. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that. For, the, for those who don't know, we should let everybody know. Parks and Recreation plugged next week's episode by putting up the entire um, one take, uh, the raw one take that Patton Oswalt did for um, the forthcoming episode, which is, I, I guess, the idea is that they're, they're gonna, the city's going to rule on something, and he plays, he's, a, he's guest starring as a citizen who stages a citizen filibuster uh, to keep talking so that they can't vote. And uh, the producers told him, basically, we don't even want to know what you're going to talk about. So it's like, do, do your thing. Just come ready to do some kind of a spiel and, and ad lib. And, of course, Patton doesn't ad lib. You know, he prepares as he would for a comedy routine. But it, uh, if, <laughs> if you go online, just, just Google Patton Oswalt, Parks and Recreation, ad lib. It, you'll come up with it. It really is pretty priceless. Um, it's, uh, it's, an, it's kind of a sequel to his um, I, would, uh, I Would Kill George Lucas with a Shovel. Now, it kind of is on the um, on the uh, what's it called on the Facebook page. I tried to uh, remember the story about what he did at our Lafka Awards when he was there for um, Ratatouille. Remember that? Well, I, what there, I remember there was, like was a power outage or something. No, what, what they, they were there was a, there was a PA problem. There were there were issues with getting well, not even the PA, but it, there were issues with getting the audiovisual um, all hooked up, and um, they couldn't get the um, they couldn't get lens montage and the video screens going properly right so they so lale was president at the time and lale <laughs> went over to his table and just said here you're good with a microphone vamp <laughs> oh really so he so he didn't just pick up the um mic and just go no 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 he no he was no, asked no. to by lale yeah lale basically went and asked him to vamp and uh <laughs> he was hilarious he was great He's got he's got a tremendous skill, uh, that guy. He really does. Funny man, funniest man in America, in the world. I would say he's the funniest man in the world. He Actually, makes me laugh more than anyone else. Okay, so last night, yes, last uh, night, I, I got uh, my my plans were uh, moved, canceled, and moved. Yes, I understand. So I decided I got lazy and decided to stay in. Okay, and um, and you watched on, on Netflix for mm-hmm. some reason. I was in a stand up comedy mood. Okay, and I watched uh, skim through. Watched a stand-up comedy special special from Jim Gaffigan. Oh, all right. Funny. Somehow, I don't want to see him. He's just really weird looking, with like big George Lucasy jowls or yes. something. And he just, I, I just don't want to see him. He, did Did any part? Let me ask. Did he, Did he do during the course of the routine? Did he talk about food? 
he talked about he he did a whole run on subway yeah on on, on food okay it did and at any point during the routine or or at, at at how many points during the routine did he do the little um phantom ghost person reaction why is he doing that he does What's it all he talking that, about? that's his thing i know in fact he he even started one of his i remember i was listening to, i was listening to one of his uh shows on my iphone and he even started the special with, I wonder when he's going to go into that phony little voice. You think he'll do it now? So he, 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 he gets it. He gets it. Uh, and oh, the other was, uh, was was a moderately old uh, act from Louis C.K. Who, who is just really suddenly the hottest thing alive. I know. It's amazing. That, it's guy, show. that guy's been around for over 20 years. And it's like now, suddenly now is his time. Well, it's, it's the show. FX gave, FX gave him a show. I know. And, just, and you know who edits that show, by the way? Susan Morris, who edits all the Woody Allen films. That's right. Which is pretty that. unusual. We've talked he, about he, that. He just reached out to her and said, hey, do you mind editing my show? You don't know me. I don't know you, but I like you. Can yeah. you edit my show? She's like, okay. Smart. Smart. Yeah, totally, totally smart. All right. Well, we, uh, we're we going to get into uh, some DVDs and Blu-rays. This is a great week, Mark. This is a really great week. Well, then I'm glad we wasted 10 minutes talking about stand-up comedy, Wade. <laughs> well, we... Wasted about five minutes talking about stand-up comedy. Um, you know, a lot of really, uh, we, a lot of good television, a lot of interesting television, a lot of bad television. We'll we'll go through the television uh, as quickly as possible. Um, first off, just want to mention something uh, that Mark's going to rip on me for. This is an Australian uh, television movie. Oh, it's an Australian television movie. Why is he talking about Australian television? Okay, Jim um, Gaffigan. <laughs> it's The Mystery of a Handsome Cab, which stars John Waters. Isn't that amazing? John Waters from Pig Floyd. Oh, no, maybe not. Different John Waters. Uh, no, this is actually really cool. This is a uh, Victorian uh, murder mystery. Uh, a couple of guys uh, get into a, into a carriage, and uh, one of them winds up dead after the other guy gets out. Turns into a really, really interesting, uh, interesting little whodunit. Uh, an actress by the name of Jessica DeGau plays the uh, the the um, the uh, the not the wife, but the fiance of the uh, the guy who was murdered, who decides to kind of take matters into her own hand. It's really cool. It's very interesting. Very nicely done. Sharply written. And I've never seen any of these actors anywhere. So I'm just like, you know what? These are these people deserve to be in uh, in movies. Jessica DeGau, Oliver Ackland, and John Waters. Good people. And then Family Ties, uh, sixth season, is out. Uh, you know what? I used to watch this show all the time, and uh, there are no extras on here. This Never is, watched this show. I watched this show all the time. Loved it at the time. Really, really enjoyed it. Looking at it now, I'm like, oh, my gosh, the jokes are all the same. So it doesn't. Uh, it kind of doesn't date well, but um, it is nice to see Michael J. Fox in his, in his prime, you know, when he was... Uh, when he was healthy, and when his comic timing was just absolutely impeccable. I mean, it's still a fun show to watch, but, you know, it doesn't, uh, I don't know, it still feels of the 80s, you know, his whole kind of Reagan-esque conservative son. It just seems very rooted in a zeitgeist that's, that's long, long since gone. So, um, Well, now I, we're just all way too cynical and sarcastic and yeah. bitter and angry to really yeah. accept a show that seems as genuine as Family Ties. True. But Michael Which Gross. Why I didn't like it. No. But but Michael Gross, you know, lo- lovely guy. I interviewed him back in the day. Really lovely man. Great actor. Thoroughly enjoy him. And by the way, you know, he is Mary Gross's brother. You know that. Mary Gross from Saturday Night Live. Correct. Back in the day. Yes. Who, who played was... who played Alfalfa with, with on the on the whole buckwheat uh, who shot buckwheat uh, sequence. God. Yep. The things you remember. Yep. See her at the market all the time. Wait, God. You I see do. the weirdest people at the market. I know. 
Who was that one person you saw at the market? It was like you were so thrilled. Was it, a, it was like a French comedian or something? Oh, Danny Boone. Uh, and then, okay, and then I'm, like, I'm sorry. I asked. And then, like four months later, they the American Cinematheque was like, "Do you? We don't know if you like Danny Boone, but we're going to be uh, screening uh, Bienvenue chez les Ch'tis and his new film, uh, Nothing to Declare." And wondered if you'd Q and A. I was like, "You know what? He's going to freak out because the guy who like accosted the mad fan who accosted him on on Christmas Eve at the grocery store is now going to be doing a Q and A. He's going to think I'm stalking him." It was great. It was really fun. And I told that story to start the Q&A. Yeah, great. Who's Danny Boone? Anyway, um, Route 66 is a, is a classic old series that you have never heard of, but maybe your parents have. It, uh, right now we have the fourth season of the show, which is on DVD. It's my a five-disc set. Um, this show is a little before my time. I, I did watch a couple of them over the years. What's interesting about the show is actually not much, but what's interesting about the show is that it's kind of like it's half episodes and half kind of anthology. Like there, it revolves around three main characters, only one or two of which actually show up from week to week. Sometimes it'll be, uh, you know, the Martin Milner character. Martin Milner, of course, wound up going on to do uh, One Out of Twelve, yes. or Adam Twelve, whatever it's yes. called. Um, or maybe it's, uh, you know, the other guy, Todd Styles or um, George Maharis. And so you have these recurring characters. Three of them. Some came back week to week. Some didn't come back week to week. Sometimes the episodes, sometimes the storylines bridged episodes. Sometimes they didn't. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting in that sense. But it um, it aired, it premiered in 1960 and it uh, went till about 1964, and it was a big deal at the time. Route 66, as Wade knows, Wade, you love Route 66. It's a cool show. It's a cool show. Well, Route 66 is like it's also called the um, Will Rogers Highway. It's uh, it's like one of the original highways in the U.S. highway system. Yeah. If, and, if you've seen Cars, you know the whole that's right. mythic uh, history of Route 66 and why it was important and blah, 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 blah. And, of course, at the time, it was almost TV's version of, like, you know, On the Road or yeah. some, like, you know, yeah. Kerouacian, uh, Wackian, Kerouacian, yes. you know, find yourself drive across the USA for yeah. young kids. It was yeah. kind of the TV version of that. Um, anyway, a little before my time, and I'm going to guess your time, but uh, your parents might dig Route 66. Totally. I uh, got a couple of um, couple of heavy shows here. Uh, one is the complete series of the Mob Doctor. Now that comes in a surprise. Lame. <laughs> this, this, give me this. This show sucks. You know why? I, I never even watched this show. The reason why I didn't like this show was was the um, the, uh, the 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 poster, like the billboard yes, art for this show, yes. showed. The woman who's the who is forced to be a doctor for the mob. Yes, and of course her name. And in any movie that names a female character Grace, yes, should automatically be shot. Okay, because whenever you name a female character Grace, it's all symbolic. Oh, Grace, she's the she's the she's the positive ray of sunshine in an evil world. We'll call her Grace. I hate that. And then in the billboard art, she's got her hands together. Yes. Right? Like and her she's hands praying. are bloody. Yes. You know, but she has the doctor gloves on yes. and the doctor gloves are bloody. Yes. So the doctor gloves are bloody. She has blood on her hands. Yeah. Blood on her hands. It's symbolic. <laughs> and then right over her right over her shoulder is uh what's his name? William Forsythe, yes. whatever his name is. Yes, William Foreskin. William Foreskin and uh it's just I, you know what this is just a, Who has uh, never who has never been as good as he was with John Goodman in Raising Arizona. But is, I digress. This thing is just a big fat dud. Yeah, well the the show didn't last. That's why it's uh, the, the whole series is on three discs. Uh, but you know, I the one thing I do It'll like be about like the Sopranos, but it's a woman, so well, women watch shoot, it too. Well that's what they were shooting for. They were shooting for for a Sopranos kind of a thing, like Nurse Jackie meets the Sopranos. 
but uh, that's not what they got. I mean, look, it's it's a little bit of a crime show, a little bit of a medical show. I get why the pitch worked, but uh, it, you know, Forsyth is good. Uh, and he's always good. He uh, he plays gangsters a little bit too much nowadays, but that's all right. Uh, the other show that's uh, that is kind of a heavy hitting as well is uh, Boss with Kelsey Grammer. This is season two. And that's the last season because it just got canned. They're not bringing it back. And it's too bad because it's really an interesting show and uh, had real promise. I think if we didn't live in such a it's-got-to-be-a-hit-now mentality, if things were allowed to sort of build an audience, I think Boss could have lasted. Uh, Kelsey Grammer, terrific actor. He really is. And it's so funny after all these decades of him just being a comedy icon to see him really kind of bring the heavy uh, in you know what is basically all about you know crooked Chicago politics, and by the way you know mob doctors Chicago as well. This is all uh, this is all shy town. This is all windy city stuff. Um, yeah, you know that just the we know you know Chicago's reputation for being uh, the center of crooked American politics and the Chicago machine and all that stuff. And this just tries to give it a, a big dramatic uh, head of steam, and it's uh, it's great. I think it's a good show. Too bad it's gone now. Uh, so says you. However, here's a show that needs to be gone. Father Dowling Mysteries. More bad TV for you, folks. Mark, Mark, Mark it got canceled decades ago. Oh, it did? Yeah. Anyway, Father Dowling Mysteries. Uh, is, actually, the thing only ran for a couple seasons. I, yeah. I, I thought it ran longer than I, that. It was like they did specials first and then uh, turned it into a brief, brief series. And, um, you know. Well, the whole idea is that Tom Bosley, who, of course, played the father in Happy Days, Tom Bosley uh, is, is... Yeah, along with uh, Tracy... Um, uh, Harry, uh, uh, Nelson. Nelson, yeah, who, who, he, know, he whose saw... brothers are the you know Ricky Nelson's her dad, right? Tracy Nelson right. and and the brothers, the the long blonde haired Nelson Shaky, guys who right, Nelson. remember the twins, you yes. know, they're, those are her yes, brothers. Yes, I do. Yeah. That's great, great story. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he's a father and he uh, solves murders and uh, you know kidnappings and whatnot, and it just I just. It's one of those. C- this show is so CBS. Yeah, no, it's true, isn't it? But the thing is that it was on AB. It was on NBC. I but know. it's very CBS. Very it's like CBS. old people solving crimes that old people feel like they have a purpose in life. <laughs> yep. All that, all that old people solving crimes that was from from uh, Barnaby Matlock. Jones, Matlock. Oh, Barnaby, Barnaby Jones. Jones is awesome. I used to love Lady, the uh, uh, Murder She Wrote. It was old people solving crimes. That was the CBS mantra. I think that, in fact, was the network. Um, uh, motto for a long time, wasn't it? Old CBS, yes. old people solving crime. By the way, uh, the Barnaby Jones uh, theme song, which is awesome, written by, ladies Jerry, and gentlemen. Jerry Goldsmith. Oh, damn, you knew that. How did you know that? I think I probably told you that at some point. Because I watched the show. It, it came on right after Hawaii Five-0 when I was a kid. You don't understand. That was that was, that was was the deal. Hawaii Five-0 at 9 o'clock. Like, Mom, can't I just stay up and watch Hawaii Five-0, please? That show is really, really risque. No, it's okay tonight. Risque, there's really? no, there's no, no women in bikinis. It's just, it's just about heroin addicts and and hookers tonight. It's, it's no, no bikini-clad women. Well, all right, if it's just a heroin addict and an extortion plot involving prostitution, that's okay. So then I'd get to watch it, and then of course they'd forget that I was watching TV at nine, and then ten o'clock would come on, and then be da 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 da. Awesome song. Oh yeah. All right, keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, do I keep talking or do you keep <laughs> well, talking? No, okay. Who keeps talking? I'll go next. Um, recently, the uh, History Channel. Ugh, it's the worst. You know, it's, that guy, <laughs> that devil was so Barack Obama. We, seriously, hey, g- give me this. G- give me the thing. This is this is this is, this is the Bible miniseries uh, produced by uh, Mark Burnett and his wife. Uh, Mark's taking all my goods. Okay. 
Now this thing, this Bible is controversial because the uh, because the guy who plays the, like the devil because Barack Obama played the devil, just like Barack. Obama. I mean, come on, stop that! <laughs> I mean, you can hire anybody in the world to play the devil. Okay, and they did. They hired that guy from Morocco or Brazil or wherever the hell he was. No, from. but in terms of like what he looks like, yeah, he, he could be white, black, green, yellow. He could be Asian, whatever. But you know what? They literally. I mean, Mark Burnett produces many many hours of television. His wife has starred in and been in many hours yes. of television they know that this person looks like barack obama with like you know what let's you know what i'm okay with this <laughs> let's have this guy play the devil oh, it's like the goodness. devil or be or whatever he played the, well this is the satan comp- played satan this is this, <laughs> this is guy the- looks like obama's dog <laughs> look at this <laughs> are you kidding I mean, come on stop that i'm showing you right now <laughs> Come on, you, are you kidding? Obama doesn't wear hoodies. Exactly. Thank I mean, you, you can you can, <laughs> Come on, I don't get it. I mean, you could cast anybody <laughs> again. You know, you if if, if they, since this guy looks like Obama, they could have said no. This guy looks like Obama. We don't want to make that connection. We don't want. We want him to look like just a, like a just an average person who is yes. evil. Whatever. Yes. He shouldn't look like anybody. But these, they're smart people. Oh, we didn't know it looked like Obama. You know what? I the... produced 75,000 hours of television. <laughs> I, how did we know? No, they know. Well, anyway. Stop Mark. that. <laughs> the Bible epic miniseries from Mark Burdett and Roma Downey. I, I got nothing left to say. Mark just did it all. It's on Blu-ray. Uh, look, it's, it's, super, it's super on the nose and super cheesy. Uh, it is, you know, it really, really plays up, uh, you know, the, the hyperactive, melodramatic quality of all these stories and the whole linkage. I don't particularly like the casting. I don't like the execution. I don't like the directing. I think the writing is just really, really uh, pedestrian. Um, but that being said, they, they got it made, you know, and even, even John Huston couldn't do the Bible. His movie of the Bible is basically just Adam and Eve and Noah's Ark, you know. I mean, he doesn't even get all the way through the whole thing. It was his, you know, movie of the Bible is, is just, it should, it should have been called Noah's Ark and a few other stories. Um, anyway, there it is. It's out. It's on Blu-ray. Um, it's not well shot enough for me to recommend it on Blu-ray. I think you could watch this thing on streaming or any other, anything else and, and get just uh, the same effect out of it. But it's got, you know, ten episodes and four discs, and um, uh, there are a few little uh, extra-y things here, not a, not a whole lot. They do offer a chance for you to download your free ver- a version Bible app. I don't know what that means, because I didn't do it. But anyway, it, it got ridiculous ratings for the History Channel, as did the Vikings, which, you know, they, they did a little back-to-back thing with it. And uh, History Channel suddenly is getting all kinds of, you know, traction on these original programs. And that's amazing for a, a network that was nothing but, you know, documentaries on World War II just like eight years ago. Well, don't forget, too, is that the one advantage that the Bible had is that it was produced by two people who can make the talk show rounds. Yes. You know, Mark Burnett and, and Roma Downey, whatever true. name is, I mean, they're, they're bookable on talk shows. They are. Whereas everybody else who's on the History Channel, yeah, true. you don't want to book them on a talk show. That's a great point. So it's, a great, it's, it's easy to promote for History Channel. You should, you should, you, you know, you know something about talk shows, don't you? No. Yeah, you do. I don't. Okay. I hate this show. No, and here's the thing. I hate this show. I've never seen Every t- it. Mark's, yeah. Mark doesn't want to talk about his, his pile, so he's, 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 he's grabbing everything in my pile. Now, I'm okay, very, fine. I'm very happy. <laughs> I'm very happy for um, Men at Work because I think I th- wasn't Adam Bush on uh, Stupid for Movies. This guy, this guy here with the glasses, was he on Stupid for Movies? 
Oh, yes. Does he look familiar? He, we did have him as a guest in Super for Movies, didn't we? Maybe it was him and his wife or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, and and and, and another actress. They, it was a. It, it I was think they a, were married or something. Uh, no, they'd uh, no, they 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 they'd made a thing. They they'd raised a little bit of money to make that independent movie. My goodness, have I got? Have we gotten to that point where we can't even remember the people that we've met now? Now we're on the other side of that equation. Like when you meet stars, they're like, "Oh yeah, I did. I did way too many junk." Amber interviews. Benson. Yeah, that was the. That we was had them on our. Uh, we Super did. Anyway, uh, their show Men at Work is on TBS. And I, I've never seen this show. All I've seen are the promos because uh, you know they have Family Guy reruns on TBS. So I watch it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this show looks uh, looks dreadful. It looks like just the hackiest, most horrible, lowbrow, just just honestly, really seriously, like Daddy's first sitcom humor kind of. Writing it's, it's, it's just so bad. It, it it's it's not the worst I've ever seen, but it's it, uh, no, it's the worst. Okay. Well, anyway, outtakes and deleted scenes. Moving on. Um, you you are going to get to those, right? Okay. Well, yeah. All right. Mad TV, the second season. Um, Mad TV is uh, you know, the show's always been really kind of uneven to me. I I got to be honest. Um, it, it tries to be sort of a mid-level, second-tier Saturday Night Live, and sometimes it feels more like Fridays. And I'm not, you know, Fridays was fun back in the day, but... A friend of ours worked on that show, did Wardrobe, remember? Yeah, that's right. Dave. I remember that. I remember, Dave. I, I remember I used to, like, drive by and visit him at the uh, the place right over off of uh, Melrose. It was, like, near Melrose and Gower, one of those things where they used to... Uh, that's right, Dave did wardrobe on that. I can't, man, that was a while back. Anyway, 22 episodes, season two. Uh, some nice guest hosts on this, you know, uh, LL Cool J and Queen Latifah, Rodney Dangerfield, Harry Connick, Ice-T, Christina Applegate. Um, the, only, the only person who really ever kind of broke out of this show was Orlando Jones, who had a moment, and uh, I don't know where he is now. Well, Frank Caliendo has done a bunch of stand-up. He's become kind uh, true, of a Frank Caliendo. Yeah. He's funny, you know, when, when, when he oh, does Oh, Frank his, Caliendo's uh, wonderful. John, his John Madden. Yeah, Al Pacino. He's funny. Yeah, he he's one of the classic old school, like they used to have in the seventies. Rich Little, true. And all those guys. True, but you know what? Orlando Jones is the only guy that ever actually kind of made movies, became a movie guy for a second, for a second, for a moment, and then uh, you know because he did those Seven Up commercials, and then he became a movie guy, and he was like, oh my gosh, he's the next Eddie Murphy, and now he's not in movies anymore. Like, wow, when was the last wow, time he was in? You saw him in a movie? It's been wow, ten years. Wow. It's been ten years. Moving on. We're moving on, Wade. Your turn. Oh, it's my turn. Uh, House of Pain, Volume 10. Now I know what you were delaying for. Exactly. You, you and Tyler Perry, you guys are peas in a pod. You're tight. I, I can't tell if I'd rather watch this again or if I'd rather watch Tyler Perry in his dramatic film debut. Yes. In, uh, what was that? The Alex thing? Cross. Alex Cross. Yeah. This film, this film, this show sucks. I know. We've talked about all the other seasons. There's over 200. You know what? So Volume 10 has episodes 193 to 212. That means there's been at least 212 episodes of this horrible show. Three times as many episodes, almost, of this show now as Star Trek. Mm. It's depressing, right? I, I think whatever. I don't, I don't talk about this. Okay. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Life and Legend of Wyatt Earp. Now, uh, I, haven't there talk, we go. I, I haven't talked about my, uh, my... Well, you know, my obsession with Wyatt Earp is... Um, it's kind of gone now. Is it really? Well, yeah, I, mean, I can't... The love is gone? Well, not the love is gone, but just my interest in reading 400 pages about him is gone. <laughs> the Legend of Wyatt Earp was a pretty good show. It was, uh, it was in the mid-50s, about 55 to 61, and yep. um, it uh, starred, what's his name, uh, Hugh O'Brien as Wyatt Earp, the most like famous... Hugh O'Brien, uh, good uh, actor. Yep, the most famous uh, 
sheriff in the Old West, mostly on the uh, strength of the fact that uh, he participated in the OK Corral, and he was the only sheriff. I mean, this is his claim to fame. Yeah. He, Wyatt Earp was the only sheriff, not the only sheriff, Yeah. but part of his legend was the fact that in all of his years as a sheriff, he never got shot. Amazing, Which is right? like pretty amazing in, for that time. Amazing. Um, so everybody in his uh, in Wyatt's little uh, inner circle are represented here: Bat Masterson and Ben Thompson, and uh, you know whatnot and so forth. So uh, there you go, Wyatt. It's pretty good stuff. It's um, something that maybe you're not going to really necessarily want to watch, but uh, your parents might. And there's a couple of decent guest stars that you saw over the course of this series. Although season two doesn't really have anybody that notable for you guys. Uh, but anyway, so it's good stuff. Well, Legend of Wider, Parents Might Like It, Season 2. And, uh, Mark, I should point out, uh, I should have mentioned this at the top of the show, but we got carried away with Pat Oswalt. We've got two giveaways today. Actually, a giveaway and kind of a promotional thing. So not, a give a motion? It's, it's like a give, giveaway and a half. And uh, we also have a Vox Box later. But um, the, the, the promotional thing is very interesting. I think you're going to take a, a keen interest in this. It'll, it'll foster a fascinating discussion. Okay. Says yeah. you. Red Skelton, the farewell specials. I cannot recommend this highly enough. You know, just the other day, this is from Mill Creek. It includes uh, four the four final television specials uh, from Red Skelton. Red Skelton's Christmas Dinner, More Funny Faces, Funny Faces 3, and a Royal Command performance, which is his performance at Royal at uh, the um, uh, Royal Albert Hall, or, you know, the Royal Albert Hall, not the Sir Albert Hall, Royal Albert Hall, you know, where uh, Man Who Knew Too Much, where the shooting takes place in the Hitchcock film. Where I saw Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe. Rock on. I've, I've never been there, but I've run around it many times. I've jogged uh, the circumference, the perimeter. Don't show off. Uh, anyway, no, it's a lovely, lovely part of London to run through. It's great. Anyway, um, you know, I was just saying to somebody the other day, I was like, you know, we were so spoiled in the, in the 60s. And I say we, speaking in sort of the royal we, because I, I was born in the 60s, so I, I don't have a thorough remember, uh, memory of the entire decade. But uh, if, if you think about it, like at a certain point in the 60s, you're, you had television and only three networks. Only three networks. It's no cable, no satellite, no, no syndication. You just had three networks to choose from. And... Your primetime offerings gave you a chance on any given night to watch Red Skelton, Jack Benny, Burns and Allen, um, I mean, Milton Berle, Jackie Gleason. My mother the car. You, you realize that, I mean, it was an incredible moment in comedy. It was an incredible moment. You could have watched so many legends, just historic figures. That was an amazing era. People were so spoiled and they had no idea. They just thought, we need more channels. Now we have more channels, and it's all crap. We have lots of legends on TV now. We have House of Pain, comedy legend. Yeah. Anyway, the farewell specials from Red Skelton. Red Skelton was a television legend for a long time, and uh, these were his farewell performances, and they, and he's just great as ever. Um, Vincent Price and Imogen Coca show up uh, on the Christmas uh, dinner, and then More Funny Faces features Marcel Marceau. It's wonderful. I can't recommend these highly enough. Anything Red Skelton is just a, a great flashback to a, a legendary period of yesteryear. And then, uh, real quickly, we also have the return of the Beverly Hillbillies, uh, which is wretched. Um, I, I didn't even know that this existed. Um, this is very strange. This is a 1981 cast reunion, and it did not need to happen. It really, it really didn't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why anybody did this, but uh, it, it's there. So if if you're a just diehard fan of the return of the Beverly Hillbillies, that that uh, really misguided malformed thing from the, uh, the early 80s is there. And then also Maverick, uh, the complete second season. I uh, I love this show. I watched this. I used to watch this in reruns back-to-back with The Wild Wild West. 
and uh, so much fun. James Garner in his uh, his pre-detective uh, days when he's playing a Western gambler, man, he's just so good. And this show was I just there's so much fun on this show. One of the few westerns from that period that didn't sort of do the western thing, you know, like Gunsmoke and uh, you know, uh, The Rifleman and Have Gun Will Travel and The Big Valley, you know. They're all kind of a little bit the same. But Bonanza. But, but Bonanza, you know, they're all a little bit the same, but uh, Maverick was the one that really kind of did a little bit tongue in cheek. It was a little more fun and I just it, it holds up so well. The writing's great, the directing's great. Terrific guest stars. Clint Eastwood, by the way, shows up in this season. And uh, I think it's great. Absolutely great. Roger Moore shows up in this season. He was James Bond. A lot of fun. Uh, wait, uh, Femme yeah. Fatale is, a, uh, is, is an attempt to bring back the old uh, pulp novel you know, Elmore Leonard-y, yeah. film noir thing to an anthology series. And uh, does it work? You know, it works if you like television that is okay. Yeah, I don't know what to say. You know, it's it's it's, it's really it's not it's not it's, that great. It's, it's I mean, something we're mentioning because it, it, we're, we we kind of have an obligation to let you know that it's there. Yes, that is true. I there mean, it, uh, uh, honestly, this is this in, is duty in in in, in, the, in the world of, uh, of of film noir uh, classics. Are we going to have you you know watch femme fatales from Cinemax? We are not. No, we're not going to recommend that at all. Nope. Let you know it's there. There you go. And then uh, just to wrap up the uh, the television thing. Thank goodness. My God. Yeah. So we, we're going to get into movies in a second here because there are a lot of fascinating movies this week. Uh, real quickly wrapping up the television thing. This is uh, Mark's going to shoot me, but uh, a little bit more on British television, but for a good reason. Uh, PBS has a documentary, The Secrets of High Clare Castle. Step inside one of Britain's best-known manor houses. If that doesn't mean anything to you, Highclere Castle is where they actually shoot Downton Abbey. Uh, but it has a history all of its own, which is uh, very interesting. And this is a lovely uh, hour-long kind of semi-sideways promo for uh, uh, Downton Abbey that just feels like more than a featurette. So they made a complete documentary out of it, a complete hour-long thing. And it's nice. I, I, I had no idea. It's very nice. Beautiful place. The people who live there, they, they are quite fortunate. They rent that house out to that damn production for a lot of money. But they already have a lot of money because they own that house. Yeah, well, you know, don't bet on it. Uh, Last of the Summer Wine, the famous Roy Clark show that just just will not stop. This is the uh, 1998 season, uh, vintage 1998, and uh, you know it's same same shtick. Uh, we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, it's it's just uniquely uh, rural British comedy, but it just keeps on trucking. And then, um, really, an amazing. Um, uh, bit of television, frankly, is Parade's End. The uh, this is just something I, I I'm. It's always kind of I, I was a little bit familiar with um, the existence of this thing, but I never really kind of researched it. So this is the first time that I kind of became fully aware of the fact that uh, in 1964 they did an adaptation of the novel. Like you're familiar with the novel, right? Parade's End. Of course not. No. All right. Well, it's it's all about you know kind of. I watch uh, Star Trek and read comic books. It's a World War One thing, right? It's a it's a World War One era melodrama set in Edwardian England, and uh, it's based in a book. And they did a, an adaptation in 1964 of the novel, and it stars a young and fetching and incredibly beguiling Judy Dench, and she's just magnificent. So uh, I would say go grab this. For no other reason than the fact that Judy Dench is young and unbelievable. Uh, she's just as amazing young as she is when she gets older. And that damn show Merlin, The Adventures of Merlin, the complete fifth season, this thing will not stop trucking along. Uh, this is out from BBC as well. 
Um, you know what? It, it, I, don't, I don't know. I just don't know how to feel about this show. Sometimes I feel like it's pretty cool, and sometimes I'm like, you know what? You're really, really betraying the whole uh, Arthurian legend, and you're stretching this thing way too far, and you're taking it in directions that just feel very cheesy. But it's nicely done. And then lastly, um, P- PBS has released the uh, Blu-ray series, Mr. Suffrage, spelled Selfridge, like self and fridge together. Oh, yeah, because But it's he... pronounced suffrage, as in, like, women's suffrage. Oh, look how brilliant that is. Is that because he repairs refrigerators? No. Yeah. This is still on television right now. The, uh, they're airing the American, uh, the American run of this series is, is, like, two or three weeks in right now. So you get, if you want to go, want to go grab the Blu-ray or the DVD, preferably the Blu-ray because it's a really well-shot show, you can watch the whole thing and not have to wait for the uh, final episodes to air on PBS, which is a great thing. They did that with, um, uh, with the... Star Wars? Downton Abbey as well. Now, what's amazing, you've shopped at Suffrages, haven't you? Selfridges? Lo- yeah. Yes. In London. Yes. That's what this is about. Oh. Well, that's the guy who... That's the guy. Uh, Jeremy Piven plays Mr. Suffrage. And I know you're thinking, like, Jeremy Piven, Suffrage? He doesn't have a British accent. He can't do accents. Do you know why? Because, uh, because Selfridge was probably a pompous ass, and Jeremy Piven's a pompous ass. No. Well, yes, but, but Suffrage was an American. I had no idea. It's the story of the guy who brought, basically, the department store concept to the British. He was an American. He was an American entrepreneur, and he, he Mr. Suffrage, he came to, to England. He's like, you people need to have an apartment store. Uh, let me show you what this is all about. You are going to love Sears, and uh, except he called it Suffrages, uh, you know, because he's ego- egotistical ass. But uh, it, terrific series, really a terrific series, a lot of fun, amazing story. Uh, I had no idea, didn't know any of it, and... Um, you know what? Thanks to this, we now have all those. We have a million other great department. I mean, the best department stores in the world are all in London, and they're all about ten minutes distance from each other. They're great. Harrods, Harrods, Selfridges. Love, love going to Harrods. What else? Um, uh, Harvey Nicks. Harvey Nicks. Harvey Nicks. Oh my god, oh, love Harvey Nicks. I mean, you could just. Oh, I got to go back to London. It's so killing me. I've been it's there for years. Me. Killing me. All right, we're gonna. Uh, you know what? We're gonna have the first of our uh, giveaway <laughs> things right now. No, no, not yet. Not yet. Aww. We're going we're gonna to do a thing right now. Hold on, Mark. Um, we're going to do a thing right now. This is kind of a promotional deal. And uh, I'm gonna, I have to be very, very uh, specific in what I'm describing this because otherwise it will make no sense to anybody. We have been given a chance to give 10 of our listeners an opportunity to try out Viewster free. Have you heard of Viewster, Mark? Nope. Viewster, hey, hey, Viewster is a global video on demand service that functions like other competitors like Hulu and Netflix. Did you know this? I, I'm, I'm liking it already. It was founded in 2007 by Kai Hanages and Jorg Boxberg. I don't know that I'm even pronouncing their names correctly. Anyway, uh, they've got 5,000 films, million different genres, and from all 100 different countries, 10 different languages. And um, they had 2.7 million users in February, which is nothing compared to Netflix or Hulu or any of the others. But hey, got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. And you can, you can. Uh, they've got an app on Roku and Boxy and and uh, iOS, Android. You can watch it on, you know, on your box at home. You can watch it on your on your phone. You can watch it on your iPad or your tablet. Uh, and um, the uh, most of the movies are free, and then there's additional fee for the, uh, the ad-free experience. Anyway, um, we can, we're, we're, uh, we've got a little offer for 10 of our listeners. So email us at godsdigigods.com 
and put in the subject um, Vuster, V-I-E-W-S-T-E-R, Vuster. Just put that in there. And basically what's going to happen is we're going to send you a promotional code and you're going to get uh, access to one ad-free movie from their library. One ad-free movie, and you can watch it on any of the, the devices that support the, uh, the, Vuster, uh, the whole Vuster, you know platform. You can watch it on, you, on an iPad or on the phone or on your, on your television. And uh, that, that code will work all the way through May 31st. So you know, it, we're basically giving people a chance to try to see any movie free. That they from, have on Vuster. That they have on Vuster. And they have like 5,000 movies, including Warner Brothers films and a lot of great independent tons, films around the country. So, you know, we're, world. yeah, and, and get back to us. Tell us what you think about it. So first, just, just send us an email, put Vuster in the subject, and we will uh, randomly choose 10 very, very fortunate listeners. Now, mind you, you cannot apply to this and our giveaway later. You have Ooh. to pick one. Got to pick one. Don't be using uh, different email no, addresses. No, no. Gotta, we're we're on to that, that crap. You got to be either a Vuster person or the giveaway later. So, you know, you can't do both. But, Wait, so um, we have two giveaways in the same show? Yep. That's it. Wow. Well, it's not really a giveaway. It's a promotional thing. It's so exciting. I'm curious. Tell us what you think of Vuster after uh, after we pick the winners. We'll let you know by email. We'll uh, we'll go. Hey, you're a winner. Here's your your code, and uh, here's the way you go about this. And then uh, we're curious. So tell us how. Tell us what you think. Um, it's Vuster. All right. All right. So uh, real quickly, we got to, we're into movies now. Three from the Warner uh, Archive collection. Um, Mixed, kind of a mixed bag. It's interesting. I, I, I'm not f- hugely fond of any of these, but they're worth mentioning. One is uh, Ralph Bakshi's uh, Hey Good Looking, which is, you know, Ralph Bakshi's done a lot of kind of crappy animation in addition to a lot of uh, legendary animation. This one is kind of like animated Happy Days with an edge. And, um, you know, it's like it's the, it's the, it's the 50s with a... With you know Dunbakshi style basically, and it's pretty it's pretty tough. Um, I just don't know that it's that good. It's it's sort of in, you watch the animation and you go that's kind of aggressive and cool animation, but I'm not really enjoying the movie. It was a real kind of a misfire at the time, but it's a curiosity now, and and it's you know for Bakshi fans only I would say. And then uh, Elliot Gould, Paul Sorvino, and Diane Keaton. Awesome. In, what a 70s cast that is. <laughs> isn't it? In I Will, I Will, dot, 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 for now. Which is a great title, isn't it? It's memorable. You, you'll totally remember that title until the end of time. Quickly, what was the, what was the title, Mark? It should be called I Do, dot, 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 for yeah. now. Are they getting married? Is that the idea? Let's check this out. Here, here, first of all, you know who directed this? Oh, if you think this uh, is a 70s thing. Directed by Norman Panama. Norman Panama? Yes. Did he invent the canal? Exactly. Uh, Norman Panama, just one of those real kind of workman-like mid-level comedy directors from the 60s and into the 70s. He co-wrote it as well. Uh, John Alonzo shot this thing. Ooh, we shot Chinatown. It doesn't look very good either. Um, And then you also have uh, 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 Robert Alda, Victoria Principal, and uh, Candy Clark show up in this. But I'm Paul Servino, Elliot Gould, Diane Keaton. Boy, there is a... There's a roaring comedy trio. Um, I don't know. It's uh, you know, it's a it's a '70s romantic comedy, but it just feels it feels like somebody had the leftover script for for like a Rock Hudson Doris Day movie that didn't quite work, so they decided we're just going to cast less attractive people. It's kind of what it feels like. Anyway, and then the last one is First Family, which I think is a really unfortunately uh, overlooked film. I think this is a very, very funny movie. A lot of people think it was a bomb. It tanked at the time. I think it deserves to be revisited because I think in our current uh, political environment, this is, a, uh, this is a real gem. 
and it was uh, written and directed by Buck Henry, who's yeah, a genius. Yeah, Buck Henry's a genius. Love uh, Buck Henry. He's a genius. And it uh, stars uh, Bob Newhart as the president. And that alone should make you want to see it, because it it's Bob Newhart playing the president. Buck Henry wrote and directed a movie with Bob Newhart as the president. That's right. Why do you need anything else? That is true. Uh, it, it, check out the rest of the cast. Harvey Corman. Come on. Gilda Radner. Madeline Kahn. Rip Torn. Fred Willard. Why, does, why, does this, why did this movie fail? Because it's not as funny as the... If all those as... people were in a movie today, assuming that, you know, Madeline Kahn were still alive. Uh, Richard Benjamin, for crying out loud. Certainly Gilda Radner were still alive. If, if all these people were still alive and we'd be able to put them in a movie today, this would be a hit. I, I feel the same way about this film that I feel about a Mad, Bad, Mad, Mad World, which is that, or, and, which is that considering all the talent that has been accumulated yes. for this film, it's yes. not as funny as you would think. So anyway, three movies. Which, by the way, is also the same thing people feel about Cast Twenty Two. Although I love Cast Twenty Two, true. People feel that that the amazing cast, the amazing uh, source material, and Bye-bye. whatnot, it wasn't as funny as it should have been. Although sure. I disagree, I love Cast Twenty Two. Sure. Uh, Wade, there's a movie, Wade. Yes. It's a thing. Yeah. It's uh, called The Impossible. Uh, up for a couple of Oscar nominations. I had a, yep. uh, I had a different uh, 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 reaction to this film. This is the. Um, Naomi Watts, you and Gregor film about the uh, 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami. And uh, the movie is directed by J.A. Bayona. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you watch this film, watch it on as big a TV as you can because the way they convey the actual tsunami, which takes place about maybe 10, 15 minutes of the movie and takes about 15, 20 minutes, is unbelievably powerful. Mm-hmm. It is. It's great. The, it's the highlight of the movie. The, the, the problem I have with the film is that I felt like after the tsunami and this one family, mm-hmm. the film revolves around one family, mm-hmm. and they're separated in the tsunami. And the real family in real life, it's a Spanish family. That's right. Not a, not a, not a British family. No. Span- yeah. well, it, well, in real life, it's a Spanish family, but in here it's played by a, uh, an Australian and <laughs> an, an, English, an English person. Anyway. Or a Scotsman. Or a Scotsman, true. Yeah. Um, my issue with it is that once they got separated, I kind of felt like... The tsunami was so amazing, it took the air out of the movie, and then well, I feel like it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to get back together again, so like, why am I here? It's an exercise. That was my problem with it. An incredibly well-made film. I mean, it is beautifully, beautifully crafted. It, performances are great. Ewan McGregor is outstanding. I mean, he has some of the best scenes he's ever done as an actor here. Naomi Watts got an Oscar nomination for this. Which she's, is bizarre, because she, she spends two-thirds of the film in, on, on a bed. I know. I don't know why, what, it, what, what it is. I mean, it's, she, all that she's tromp, fine. It, it's that tromping around in the swamp water and uh, you know getting all mucky-muck. That got it for me. I mean, I guess it's a great physical performance. Look, when beautiful it. actresses put mud on and, and, and bleed, somehow they get Oscar nominations. Uh, she spends two-thirds of the film on a bed. Yeah. Okay. So look, here's the thing. It, it, but it is, it, is a, it is an incredibly well-crafted film. I did not, not like watching it. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I agree. The only thing is it does feel like an exercise because you know the family's going to you know, get back together again. We're not giving anything away. It's not a movie about a tsunami that tears a family apart and then they all die. <laughs> you know, nobody would make that movie. That movie would never awesome. get released. It just, it, you, you would not say, let's spend $85, $90 million on a movie that will depress people to the point of suicide. Exactly. I think we should do it. We should do it. No, it's not going to happen. So that's my only issue with the film. Although it's, I agree. it's very powerful filmmaking and the sound. I, I don't understand how the sound the sound branch of the Academy did not recognize this I film. I know, I know. That just makes no, that it's weird. no sense to me. I agree. This, and I watched this movie on my computer because the screener they gave me oh. didn't work. Well, that Blu-ray is gorgeous. 
And you know what else is gorgeous are the DVDs. Well, I didn't realize we were giving this away. I wouldn't have said bad things about it. <laughs> but I will say that, uh, uh, no, I mean, what I say about it is, is, is still, still holds. Uh, it's amazingly well-crafted. The performances are great. Uh, you know, so on that basis, <laughs> you should enter our contest. Yes. Uh, we're, well, they gave us five of these to give away. So I've got uh, five copies of The Impossible to give away on DVD. Not Blu-ray, but DVD. This is a DVD and ultraviolet digital copy combo. And we've got five copies to give away. So if you want The Impossible, go ahead and email us at gods at digigods.com. Put The Impossible in the... Or just Impossible is fine. Impossible in the, uh, in the subject. Don't have to put The in front of it. Just Impossible is fine. And um, we will select five lucky listeners to receive a copy of The Impossible on DVD from Summit Entertainment. Um, and for both the both of these giveaways, the giveaway and the promotion, if you could do your best to make sure that your um, that your uh, emails to us at gods at digigods.com are date stamped no later than the twenty eighth, please the twenty eighth. Uh, we're going to give you a little bit longer than usual to uh, to work that together. So the 28th is when we want you to uh, make sure you get your date-stamped emails to us for The Impossible. Put uh, Impossible in the subject header. And please, in both, include your address. Well, the ad- for, for The Impossible, include your address because we're going to have to mail these out and want to get them out quickly. And uh, you don't have to include your address for the, uh, uh, for the um, promotion. Uh, just, you know, we'll, uh, we'll email you right back if you are a winner. So there you go. Um, Mark, why don't we, yeah, let's see, um, you know, I'm going to talk about a monster in Paris. Well, okay, don't threaten me. Uh, because it's, it's, it's really cool animation, and, uh, this never got any kind of a theatrical release, which is really unfortunate. This is a EuropaCorp animated film, um, and EuropaCorp, of course, is, um, uh, Luc Besson's empire, his, his French empire through which he makes, uh, all of things like the transporter films and pretty much anything that uh, has Jet Li in it these days where Jet Li is in France. Um, and, of course, he makes uh, things like Taken. And it's become a real powerhouse enterprise in France and in Europe. And he's really been trying to build it into sort of a European studio, a French-based studio with the same kind of uh, global reach as an American studio. Anyway, A Monster in Paris is uh, their, uh, to my knowledge, it's their first big animated film and it's really, really nicely done. It takes place in 1910, and uh, centers on a um, on a on a you know this crazy inventor and uh, this phenomenal ad- adventure that just transpires. It's you know I won't get into all any of the details. It's impossible to talk about it without sort of giving it all away. Some interesting voice casting, not great. Uh, Adam Goldberg, Sean Lennon, Bob Balaban. Uh, Vanessa Paradis, you know, Johnny Depp's ex. Uh, Danny Houston even shows up to annoy Mark and me. Um, it, you know, the, the 3D, they sent it to us in a Blu-ray 3D version. Again, I don't, I don't see any reason to, to ruin this with 3D. It works perfectly well as a Blu-ray movie, just regular straight-up nice high-definition Blu-ray movie. Um, you know, a nice little period. I, I, I don't want to say it's in the same vein as Ratatouille. It tries to be. Uh, it's certainly aspiring to that, but I think um, I think it's a nice adventure, a nice thing for the kids. It's it you know something that wasn't released theatrically here should have been. And uh, if you want to pick up on an, on an animated film that's way better, I think than stuff like Brave, frankly, check this out. Well, you should also check out uh, a culty little item that says, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm going to be a culty little item, and I'm going to make myself into a cult item and hope that people 
response me as a cult item. And usually when people try to be a cult item, it doesn't work because they're trying too hard to be a cult item. And it just becomes annoying. Okay. Because it's trying to force its cult item-iness on you. Yes. However, John Dice at the end is uh, kind of fun. Directed by Don uh, Coscarelli, who has uh, you know, done a lot of films kind of like this. Uh, it's kind of fun. It's, um, it's about a drug called soy sauce that uh, when you take it, you have these sort of uh, out-of-body experiences and hallucinations and whatnot. And it turns out that the uh, drug might be some sort of alien invasion. Maybe. Possibly. Don't know. You'll have to find out by That's renting weird. the movie because it's kind of cute. Uh, anyway, a pair of uh, college losers uh, try to, you know, hold down their jobs and uh, save the world and whatnot. And Andy Klein loves this movie. I think it's kind of fun. I do. You know and what? You know what? This movie is fun in a way that um, uh, what's the video game film with the Michael Sarah? Uh, save the world. Oh yeah, uh, uh, John. John. Star Wars. Yeah, Don't stop the recording. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, what is it? Saves the world. Uh, P- Billy Pilgrim saves the world. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. That Billy thing, Pilgrim. That Scott Pilgrim saves the world. Oh, yeah, uh, the Bill world. and Bill and Ted. Uh, Bill and no, Ted Bill and John funny. save the world Bill at the Ted's end. Funny. Bill and Ted and John save the world at the end. Exactly. And, and but go Scott super Pilgrim bad. is a film where it's going to be so culty, it's going to be so cool and rad and all stuff and junk that it's like well, kids love it. It turns out it's just stop. It just you're being lame. Snort. But John dies at the end. It's cute. I liked it. Check it out. It uh, okay. looks uh, okay on Blu-ray. Not a high-budget film, but uh, it does have Paul Giamatti and Clancy Brown. They're always cool. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a blast, I have well, to say. Well, good. I have to say. I'm Bravo. very surprised. Bravo. Wonderful. That is true. Got a couple of criterions here, a couple of classic criterions, and this is wonderful, wonderful stuff. Laurence Olivier's Richard III. Oh, Richard III. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, you know, people are like, oh, but I missed Richard I and two. What? Richard III was uh, a, a, one of Laurence Olivier's best Shakespearean adaptations. Uh, a lot of people still, you know, nobody really wanted to ever give him the full credit that these films deserved after Hamlet, because Hamlet's still the only Shakespearean film ever to win Best Picture. And this is from 1955, two and a half hours, brilliant color, um, extraordinary cast that includes, you know, John Gilgood and Claire Bloom. It's just, it's, it's through the roof how good this movie is. And um, it is, I think, way superior, frankly, to that misbegotten kind of... Uh, Fascist-themed uh, Richard the Third that uh, they they did uh, what about twelve years ago? With, I don't know. With Magneto playing uh, Richard oh, the Third. Oh, Ian McKellen. Yeah, remember that thing? No. It had uh, you, you, seriously. You didn't see that? No. It's it it, it it where he where he the line my horse my horse my kingdom for a horse because his jeep is stuck in the mud. <laughs> it, not good. Not good. I, I, I was, everyone was waiting to see how they're going to handle that, and I remember sitting there just rolling my eyes, thinking, "Oh, dude, seriously, you were you so had me until this moment. The whole fascist motif just does not work." But um, goddamn fascist motif! Yeah, I hate me. when fascist motifs don't work. It really just gets in my craw. Pretty great. So anyway, this is Richard the Third. It was filmed in Vista Vision originally, and uh, beautiful, beautiful, you know, pristine Vista Vision. So you definitely want to get this on Blu-ray. It preserves the Vista Vision uh, aspect ratio, the one six six aspect ratio, and gives you know the Blu-ray just the, the high def just suits it so so beautifully. And then the other criterion is a fascinating thing. I would have thought that they would have released this as um, uh, is one of their, um, whatchamacallits, the Eclipse line, which we also have one I'm going to try to get to today. But they didn't release this as an Eclipse line because uh, Pierre Ette is apparently too important of a filmmaker to uh, dedicate an Eclipse title to. So they gave him a complete Criterion volume, number 655. Can you believe we're up to 655 with Criterion? I wonder what the number I want all of them. 
Anyway, this is a Blu-ray edition that includes the following films by Pierre Ette. I know you're thinking, who the hell's Pierre Ette? Here, are they, well, I'll, we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, Rupture from 1961, Happy Anniversary from 1962, The Suitor from 63, Yo Yo 65, Yo Yo Yo, As Long as You've Got Health in 1966, same year that he did Feeling Good. Three years later, he did Le Grand Amour, and in 1971, Land of Milk and Honey. And uh, here's when I discovered Pirate. I was at a screening of, I can't remember, something last year, and I was sitting, where, who was in front of me? In a chair? No, I was sitting in front of somebody, somebody was talking, it was, you know, this was, it was at the, the Landmark. And Manola was there. And Manola had just gotten back from some Pierre Ette festival or something, a resurrection of all these films that she saw projected. And she's like, this guy's amazing. He's phenomenal. He's like the greatest physical co- comedian, uh, you know, you've, physical comedy filmmaker you've ever seen. He's just in- incredible. Better than Jacques Tati. And I was like, I don't know who Pierre Ette is. She's right. Unbelievable. Really just a total, a complete lost comedy legend. And uh, they're all new video introductions here for uh, all these films. Um, they have been restored, remastered. They are fabulous, and you are just going to die how funny they are. This is brilliant stuff. Really, really wonderful. Um, Pierrette had previously been a circus acrobat and a clown, and uh, he brought all of that to bear in these movies, and they are wonderful. And the best part is these movies are mostly written by Jean-Claude Carrière. So they're good screenplays, too. Carrière, of course, who worked with Bunuel and, you know, who wrote, uh, like, The Unbearable Lightness of Being and many other great films for a lot of great uh, Hollywood filmmakers as well. So, uh, and, of course, you know, Jean-Claude Carrière also did uh, Valmont, screenplay for Valmont, the uh, Milos Forman film that I think is better than Dangerous Liaisons. So, anyway, really, really good. Uh, Got to check this out. And there are also three short films on here, including Happy Anniversary, which won an Academy Award. Wonderful. Wade. Breaking out the knowledge. Right on, man. Uh, Wade, next is uh, Gangster Squid. Sort of a fish who joins the <laughs> Mafia. No? Uh, that's, you know what? That would be the porn version of this. Gangster Squid. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, this is, a, uh, this is Ruben Fleischer's uh, highly anticipated follow-up to Zombieland, which I liked. In fact, I like Zombieland a lot more than I like this. The thing is that Ruben Fleischer is probably kind of the really not the right person for this material only because it is so artificial. The characters are one-dimensional. The environment is pretty but totally artificial. There's not a human being in it. Uh, I, I just feel like this movie was almost – it had moments, but it's almost those sorts of moments that Ruben Fleischer wants to show off his visual flash and, and a whole bunch a of cast, bullets though. and what a, freaking what a great, out. What a yeah, great cast. fine. I mean, Josh Brolin – Excuse me, Josh Brolin, Ryan Gosling, Nick Nolte, Emma Stone, and Sean Penn. Josh Brolin plays the uh, leader of uh, this uh, Untouchables-like uh, you know police squad that's going to bring down uh, Sean Penn, who plays Mickey Cohen, mm-hmm. the famous gangster. Yep. And, uh, you know, I just feel like this movie uh, was missing a human heartbeat. I just felt it was just totally devoid of any feeling. Boom, 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 boom. That's great. Uh, commentary with uh, Ruben Fleischer, a bunch of uh, special features that are okay, some deleted scenes. And look, it looks great, it sounds great, but it just feels like a big cartoon to me. I just did not really respond at all to Gangster Squid. Too bad. Uh, Standoff is a movie we talked about uh, a few weeks ago. We just kind of made fun of the artwork on the cover because it had Brendan Fraser holding a gun and blah, 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 blah. And there were like three other movies or two other movies that week of guys holding guns. And we were just talking about the marketing, uh, the lack of marketing 
uh, originality. But um, we recently got the movie again on Blu-ray and DVD combo, so we uh, we gave it a good shot. And I'll tell you, it's um, it's not a bad movie. Uh, here's the thing about Standoff, and there's there's kind of a, a cautionary Hollywood tale to be told here. Uh, Standoff is basically just the story of a, of a heist that goes terribly, terribly wrong. Brendan Fraser, you know, really trying to be uh, not the comedy goofball that he, he was uh, of late. Uh, a, here's the thing. This movie was directed by Terry George. And Terry George is a, is a hell of a great filmmaker. Irish filmmaker, you know, you know him. He, he Hotel co- Rwanda. Hotel Rwanda wrote and directed it. He also uh, co-wrote a lot at like... Uh, 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 Star Wars? Uh, no, exactly. Um, Some Mother's Son. You yes. know, he wrote that, right? Good stuff. Um, co-wrote In the Name of the Father, right? So he's, you know, a heavy-hitting guy. I interviewed Terry George uh, some years ago when I did a piece for the DGA Quarterly magazine on uh, Costa Gavras. Blah, 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 DGA Quarterly and magazine, Costa Gavras. Thank you. And, uh, you know, because <laughs> the, 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 the goal was to talk to a lot of filmmakers. I talked to Oliver Stone, unfortunately, as well. But people who sort of were, were carrying on the Costa Gavras torch, right, of, you know, conscience filmmaking, political filmmaking, heavy-hitting stuff. And Terry George had all kinds of wonderful things to say. And at the time, he was trying to raise money to make a movie about the U.N. Uh, worker who was slain in uh, Iraq. Sure, that, right? the, the guy, whatever his name was. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, like the, the, the big, he's like a big UN guy, right? I can't remember his name, but he was trying to tell that story, he was trying to raise money. I'm sure he still is. thing is here, he's made another movie in the meantime, which goes on to tell you people are more interested in, in giving Terry George money to make heist-gone-wrong movies than something that is legitimately, you know, high-profile, that has, you know, real historical value, that would be a draw for a major act. Like, like, nobody wants to give him money to make a really good movie. They just want to give him money to make a movie. He's like, oh, that might make a buck or two. Yeah, that's true. This just, movie standoff, as bad as it is, it'll, it'll sell internationally, and, uh, you know, you show a bunch of guns on the cover, and people will take a, take a flyer on it at Redbox, and yeah, that's go. how it works. Yeah. Welcome to America. And, uh, and the third movie that we have uh, that features somebody holding a gun this week is The Sweeney, which is basically a big screen adaptation of a British television show, as I understand it. And uh, Ray Winstone, always good when he plays a heavy, always when he, good when he plays a bloke. Nice action here. Uh, nothing that really crazy stands out to me, but, uh, you know, it, I, I just kind of hung my hat on uh, Damian Lewis, who I always like, and Ray Winstone playing a heavy and saying, He was great in Sexy Beast. Yeah. Awesome. It's that character again, except this time he gets to be a little more, you know, a little more action engaged. All right, that's great. Anyway, uh, Haunted House is a terrible, terrible, unwatchable comedy starring <laughs> Marlon Wayans and a bunch of people that, uh, who cares? It's one of those scary movie five type uh, films. It takes the uh, found footage genre and turns it on its head. Woo-hoo, hysterical. Nice. Worst film ever made. Totally, totally, totally horrible. Uh, the Australian romantic comedy not suitable for children is uh, kind of interesting, I guess. it's It's got a pretty crude premise and uh there are better australian films out there mm-hmm. uh this guy i've never heard of uh, ryan quantin who i guess is on true blood he plays this kind of nobody who thinks he might have cancer and so he really really wants to have a kid so you know i guess there's something there in terms of uh premise but it just becomes kind of crude and not that funny and uh just kind of wasn't that that into i was kind of hoping for like a cute little indie comedy with a little bit of truth involved but uh, it turns out they'd rather go for a bunch of parties and rousing and, and you know, mistaken identities and all that sort of stuff. Sure. So that was kind of disappointing. Not suitable for children. And then our last Are we two, done? We're almost done. we got two and then a Vox Box to wrap things up. 
Oh. No, 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 no. Last two, Jurassic Park 3D, Blu-ray 3D, Blu-ray, DVD, digital copy, ultraviolet combo. It is a big, monstrous pile of wasted money. Um, there's no reason for Jurassic Park to be a 3D Blu-ray other than to generate interest in uh, the next Jurassic Park movie, which will be shot in 3D, uh, or so they say. It might be post-converted. Who cares? This franchise is dead. They should just honor it and leave it alone and not try to do any more goofball crazy stuff with this. Jurassic Park in 3D, totally pointless, does not benefit the movie. Uh, Don't sully your memories. And then lastly, before our Vox Box, is Promised Land, which is an unbearably preachy movie with Matt Damon and John Krasinski. Uh, this, is like, this is like taking uh, the Soderbergh-Julia Roberts, uh, uh, what was the, the, the you know, the... the, the, the Steve Mill, it's Star Wars, the, Shecky. Uh, I'm pulling out all of my, my stops here. Don't stop the recording. I I, when I mess up, I tell you don't stop the recording. That's right. When you mess up, you don't stop the recording either. It, Show what, people you're real. What's her name? What's her name? I don't the, know. The Who are you talking about? The, the Soderbergh Julia Roberts movie. That was uh, the same oh, Aaron Brockovich. Traffic. Aaron Brockovich. Thank you. See, right. I, 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 I knew that immediately, but I kind of yeah. wasn't paying attention to you. So yeah, I'm multitasking like a crazy man here. Exactly. Uh, anyway, this is like Aaron Brockovich just taken to an unbelievably preachy degree. Uh, I, I just really wish that they'd just, just stop already with movies that just wear their politics on their sleeve just to an, to an unbelievably annoying level. This is all that participant does, these kinds of films. They need to really stop trying to save the world because this movie just does not ring true on any conceivable level. Uh, I know these guys care deeply for this, but, you know... Gus Van Sant is a better director than this material, and uh, it just it just feels like it, it wants to you know it, like it's giving you a spoonful of medicine about uh, you know drilling and fracking and all that kind of stuff, and it just gets so tiresome at a certain point. You just go, I don't even know what this movie's about. I know that Matt Damon is supposed to do something bad, and Krasinski convinces him to have a change of heart, and now he becomes an environmental activist, and you know the world That's is great. saved. That's great. Box box done. Anyway, <laughs> it's just you know you, it, I tuned out. I tuned out. All right, do it. Hey, Wade and Mark, it's Lance Taylor. Uh, Wade, congratulations on your new baby girl. And uh, get ready to watch and fall in love with Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. You kind of crapped on it a few months ago. And uh, my boy is about to be 20 months old. And it's all he wants to watch. So don't be surprised if you start singing the uh, theme song and the the hot dog song and and all that good stuff. And by the way, uh, wait, I I have to say I, I didn't even know you were pregnant. So uh, good uh, good way to conceal it. Cool. All right. All the best. Bye. Oh, Lance, you card. Funny. Uh, but thank you for the for the well wishes. I know. You know, it's it's funny. You wear loose fitting clothing, and it's amazing what you can hide uh, when you're expecting. Um, I don't know if I'm going to ever watch uh, Mickey Mouse's Clubhouse. That just sounds like too much pain. I, I may have to just uh, disconnect all feeds coming into the house and force my daughter to only only watch Warner Brothers cartoons. So anyway, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we're going we're gonna to head out. Mark, Mark just bolted out the door. I don't know what the deal is. But um, we've just remember, send us uh, to gods at digigods.com. Send us uh, an email with uh, impossible in the subject if you want to be in the running for the uh, impossible giveaway. All, only five people are going to win that one. And then send us a separate email. You can't apply to each. You, you can only apply to one giveaway at a time. So uh, send us a separate one 
that says Viewster, V-I-E-W-S-T-E-R, in the subject if you want to be one of the ten people who wins a promotional code to watch one commercial-free film on Viewster.com all the way through May 31st, this promotion goes. And we're curious. We want to know what you think of Viewster. It's one of the new uh, streaming services out there. They have a big library, a lot of great films. So uh, we're going to you, give you a chance to try them out and give them a road test and get back to us. With that, we'll see you next week. Thank you.